Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we do quiet our hearts this morning and we, we seek to reset from a busy week where our minds, Lord, have gone from place to place and moment to moment and Lord, we've been so busy. And so, Lord, we quiet ourselves right now as we prepare to hear your word, as we prepare to sit around your table. May may we be reminded, Lord, of the love that you have for each one of us. That the sacrifice that you made so that we might have eternity, may that be on our hearts and minds this morning. Quiet us that we might hear your voice clearly this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Scripture this morning is from Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up into heaven. After giving instruction through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to the men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days I will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of heaven? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power from the Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from his sight. They were looking intently upon the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, when he is has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. When they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city, when they they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning. Today we celebrate one of the um, most uh, unique events in human history. On the church calendar, this is called uh, Ascension Sunday. We celebrate the time which uh, remembers Jesus ascending 
to heaven. Uh, nothing ever happened like that before. No one had ever come from heaven, uh, died, rose from the dead, and now went back to heaven. And uh, as we see in the scripture that we read this morning, the angel said he's going to return again from heaven. Very unique uh, situation that never happened before. So the gospel of uh, Luke was part one of uh, Luke's writing about Jesus. And uh, Luke says in the former gospel, the former treatise that I wrote, uh, I wrote about what Jesus began to do and to teach. And then he's going to look at Acts, and he's going to write the book of Acts, and he's going to continue the story. Uh, what Jesus began, we will see later that the disciples would continue. But we have to begin with what Jesus began to do and to teach. It's interesting that as we look at those key words in this particular passage, we see that uh, Luke was emphasizing that it was Jesus that began. Sometimes we think about uh, the church, we think, well, you know, it happened uh, a couple of thousand years ago, and the disciples got together in the upper room, and they decided, well, Jesus, give us uh, some good stories and some good teachings and set some great examples for us. We should go out and do something with what we know. And it was like as if the disciples were the ones that began the church. But Luke's quite clear that it's, it's Jesus that began uh, the church. He began to show by doing, and then secondly, by teaching what God's love was all about in his very life. Jesus chose the disciples, and then later the disciples began to choose to follow Jesus. In John chapter 15, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and ordained you that you would go forth and bring forth much fruit. So Jesus was the one who did the choosing and the doing and the teaching, and then later the disciples, and even later, now in this time, you and I have opportunity to choose Jesus in return. In these key words or key themes here in these verses that we had read to us this morning, we see that Jesus began, Jesus chose, and then Jesus gave. Now, what did Jesus gave? He, he gave some instructions, first of all. It says he, he, he did some things, but then he also taught some things. And what he was teaching was uh, who he was and what he came to do. And, you know, as long as the disciples had been with Jesus, you'd think after three years or so, they'd pretty well figure out what it was that Jesus was uh, all about and what he was going to do. But even up till the last, Jesus is about to be ascended into heaven. And uh, one of the disciples says to him, uh, well, are you going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel here? Are you going to establish rule of, uh, uh, like David and King Solomon had many hundreds of years before? See, they still didn't quite get it. They still didn't realize that Jesus wasn't just out to reform a nation. Jesus was out to reform and to change the very world in which everyone lived. So many times uh, we're like that, aren't we? We're kind of into our own priorities, into our own focuses on what we think Jesus should be doing and what Jesus should be teaching and what should be happening in our world. But Jesus is uh, setting us straight here through the disciples. He says, it's not just you, it's not just about me, 
It's not just about our church or our community or even our nation, but it's about the whole world that I want to change. And so it's no wonder then that Jesus had to uh, choose the disciples and to instruct them so that they would uh, catch hold of the vision that he had to change the world. He had given them proof of his resurrection. Uh, it says here in this chapter that Jesus wanted them to be sure that, that they weren't just seeing a vision or whatever, and we've talked about that in previous sermons. Jesus also then told them to go back to Jerusalem and to wait. Now, if you were the disciples and you had uh, seen all of what had happened, uh, would you just want to go back to Jerusalem and go to an upper room and just sit around and wait? Doesn't sound like something that, you know, would be that uh, exciting, does it? You'd want to get out there and say something or do something. But Jesus' command was to wait in Jerusalem, to pray there in Jerusalem until something would happen. And what is that until? That until the Holy Spirit would come in his power and demonstrate his power among them. And so the disciples went back to Jerusalem, waited, and prayed for that Holy Spirit's power. They had uh, in mind, at least, because of Jesus' instructions, uh, and hopefully in their heart as well, the desire to, to serve Jesus and to do his work his way and not their way in the correct order. Jesus also then gave them, during this time of uh, ten days in the upper room praying and waiting, Jesus gave them a desire to witness and he talks about this in Acts chapter 1. He says there in verse 8 that uh, they would be Jeru witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Jerusalem was their hometown where they had hung out with Jesus, coming and going from Jerusalem all during the time in which Jesus had his public ministry. And then Judea was the surrounding area around Jerusalem, that area that was kind of the hinterland uh, of Jerusalem. And uh, they, they were to go out and tell neighboring towns and cities around Jerusalem about Jesus. And then they were to go to Samaria, that place that uh, a couple of the disciples wanted to call fire. They wanted to call lightning out of heaven and destroy a Samaritan village. That's about what they thought of the Samaritans. But Jesus says, eh, no, that's not what we have in mind. We're not going to call fire out of heaven on them. We're going to go to Samaria and tell these people that we're culturally completely different than the Jews, but uh, they spoke the same language, but that was about all they had in common with them. But Jesus says to go those people who are of a different culture, a different type than you are, and tell them the good news as well. And then he also said to the ends of the earth, to all nations, to go everywhere. And after Jesus had talked about these things, he, he then miraculously uh, ascended to heaven and a cloud hid him out of their sight. As I was studying this, I thought to myself, you know, I never, I never noticed that. I guess I'd read that word, a cloud received him out of their sight, but I didn't really think about it. And then I got to thinking, you know, if there hadn't been a cloud come and, uh, and uh, cover Jesus' appearance so they could no longer see him, the disciples probably would have stood there and looked into heaven and watched Jesus go the whole way to wherever he was going. And then it says in the scripture that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and there he makes intercession for us. So the disciples would have stood around staring up into heaven and never really would have got on with the ministry that uh, Jesus had for them. 
in a way, that's true even today. You know, if we think about who God is and his greatness and his glory and his power and his majesty and all those superlative words that you could use to describe God, uh, 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 you know, an atmosphere, an, an earth, walls of a building, none of those things would keep us from seeing God, would they? God is so majestic and powerful and all those things that if he didn't choose to hide himself with a cloud, he would be immediately apparent everywhere in the world all at the same time. In fact, someday that's exactly what's going to happen. He's going to return and he'll be immediately apparent to everyone everywhere. The cloud will be removed and we will all see Jesus in his glory and honor and majesty and so on. An amazing thing happened, though. Jesus chose to allow a cloud to uh, hide his appearance from the disciples because Jesus wanted them and Jesus wants us to believe, as it says, I think, in Hebrews, that we live by faith and not by what? Not by sight. Okay, or not by works either one. Yeah, we're living by faith. That's the point, isn't it? And Jesus had to be received up into heaven and hidden from their sight so that they could then really believe by faith because it's by faith that we receive what God's word says to us. We can't explain it. I can't explain it. People have been writing about the Bible for a couple of thousand years and uh, still people haven't come to agreement exactly about what all of it says and what all of it means. It's just beyond our comprehension, all of it. So we have to uh, believe what we can believe, and then the rest we have to take by faith and not by sight or not by uh, some brains that we might be able to figure it all out. So Jesus began, Jesus chose the disciples, Jesus gave uh, the disciples many different things, these commands, this gift of the Spirit. Jesus then went to heaven to be with his Father, and then Jesus will return someday in all of his glory. That's Jesus' part of it. And then the book of Acts is going to go into what the disciples would do. It says in this particular passage we read today that the disciples returned from the Mount of Olives, and they realized there as they returned and went to the upper room and spent that time in prayer with one another and fellowship and talking about what they had seen and heard and experienced with Jesus, and all of that time together, those few days they were together before the Holy Spirit would come upon them in great power, uh, they were continuing to um, determine and set their priorities and, and set their minds and their hearts on what Jesus uh, would have them to do. The book of Acts tells us that uh, they had other believers that supported them. They weren't just going to do this all alone. There were 120 of them in the upper room. And then in another passage, uh, Paul tells us that up to 500 people had seen Jesus alive at one time. So we know that if you do some little bit of arithmetic, there were several hundred people that had seen Jesus and knew that he was alive, and now that he had gone to heaven. And so these other believers supported the disciples as they uh, determined and planned what they would do. In the meantime, though, they spent their time joyfully worshiping. In Luke 24, a parallel passage to what we read from Acts chapter 1, it says that they went to the temple daily and joyfully worshiped there on the temple courts and in the temple uh, area. They were excited about what God had done, 
And they weren't going to let that excitement die away by uh, just uh, spending all their time in an upper room. They joined together constantly in prayer, whether they were in the temple worshiping or whether they were in the upper room or whether they were uh, walking along the way. They were constantly uh, praying that God would reveal what he would have them to do. They were praying for the Holy Spirit's power to be shown to them. Now, in, in the scriptures, we see that Jesus breathed on them the Holy Spirit in one passage. Another passage, it says about he gave them the Holy Spirit. He, he baptized them, so to speak, with that spirit that he promised them in chapter 14, 15, and 16 of John. But there would be a special outpouring of God's Spirit on what we call the day of Pentecost, which we'll celebrate in a couple more weeks. And so they were praying for that special outpouring of God's presence among them and for the wisdom to know what to do when God's presence came. They were probably praying for the unity of their large group of several hundred people. They were praying for provisions for their needs. They had to take care of them. Uh, when Jesus and the disciples were going around place to place during their ministry, there were a group of men and women that followed them that weren't the disciples, but they were supporters. They provided for them what they needed to eat and, and all the things they needed. So now they have this large group of people, and so they had to continue to pray that God would provide for their needs. So we also need to be praying about these things today, don't we? We're no better than the disciples. We're called to be his disciples in this time. We need to be joyfully worshiping. We need to be gathering together and praying that God would demonstrate the power of his spirit among us. We need to pray for the wisdom that we would choose to do what God would have us to do in our time and in our particular place. We need to pray for provision for the needs of our church and our community. And as we share in these prayer request times, that's what we're doing. We're praying for God's provisions into the lives of these people whose names have been mentioned. And then we pray for unity, that we might be able to work together to accomplish what we cannot do alone. No one of us can do any of the things that we need to do practically by ourselves. It takes all of us working together in unity uh, to do what God has called us to do. So we too believe like the disciples believed. We believe in who Jesus is. We believe he's the Messiah, the one that God sent to redeem us from our sins. And we've demonstrated that as we've gathered around the Lord's table. We've demonstrated uh, by physically partaking of bread and a cup we are demonstrating what we already have received and what we already know uh, in our hearts and in our lives. And so we joyfully worship as we gather. We sing songs of praise, and we pray for the Holy Spirit to direct us as we celebrate. And we don't just do that for this day, but we do it like the disciples do as we walk to the various places in our hometowns like they did in Jerusalem, as we see to the provision of the needs of our own family and, and those immediately around us and others as God calls us to help them, as we see demonstrated God's love in our church family and in the families around us, wherever we might go. We remember, though, in all of this, that it's not just a one-shot deal, is it? It's just not a one-time thing. Okay, we had communion this morning. I sang songs for an hour and heard the preacher drone on for a while. Now I can go home and, you know, do my own thing. That's, that's not at all, is it? We, we want to be about God's business on a constant basis that God will help us to mature 
uh, even beyond the hearing of his word in a worship service or a Sunday school class or a Bible study, that he will help us to mature as we interact with other people around us. We tell and we do the good things that Jesus has taught us to do. We tell and do like he said in this prayer that he taught the disciples, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to challenge you to do that very thing. And to think, uh, we have a couple of slides up there. It says, where are you in your spiritual journey? And then there's another slide there that says about uh, what's keeping you from arriving at that particular uh, point that you need to be going towards in your spiritual journey. Is there, is there some kind of problem there that might be keeping you uh, from uh, reaching all of what God has for you to accomplish? And if one of those things is true, then what are we going to do about it? What, are we going to, what, what step are we going to take? And that's the question that I want to leave you with this morning, uh, asking the Lord uh, in your heart and in your mind what it would be that he would have you to do and what decision uh, would you have to make. Would you want to experience his forgiveness? I think the next slide says... And uh, it says there, maybe you need more understanding. Maybe you need to take a step of faith. Maybe you need someone to help you through the process. And as we have our closing this morning in our time of prayer, you can be talking to the Lord and asking him what it would be that, would, that you need to do to take that step along your spiritual journey. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, today we know that your presence has been with us. We have felt your presence in the songs that were sung in the prayers that were offered, in the word of Scripture that was read. And we pray, Lord, now that as we um, go to our various directions today, that you would come with us through the power of your Spirit, be made known among us, that we might make a difference in the lives of the people around us and in the world in which we live. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.